Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. The podcast coming to you a little bit later this week than we normally like to do, but regardless, there is still plenty of stuff from a fantasy footy perspective we want to get through. Earlier this week, I dropped an article for you, by the way, too. Looking at some potential DPPs, they're online for you now at coachespanel.tv. They hit the game Sunday night when the formats open, and boy, oh boy, will we have some big names to potentially talk about it. Before we do that, got to welcome uh, our, one of the regulars here at the Coaches Panel. You may always hear him on the pod pod as well. I'm talking about Louis. Hello, buddy. How are you, man? Thanks, MJ. Yourself, mate? Oh, look, like everybody else at the moment, in and out of home life at the moment, whether it be you or family members or, in my case, kids, going into ISO life for a week. So busy week in the MJ household, as it's been for many people, but no, up and about and ready to go. Uh, and, Louis, it is a very interesting time in the fantasy footy season for coaches. I think arguably this next five weeks kind of shapes the determination and the direction of your side, doesn't it? With three multi-buy rounds, the pre-buy and post-buy round, it really is, this is the big five weeks to kind of make or break your side, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's because we've got about 15, 16 trades all condensed into that three, four, five-week period. So you've got so many opportunities to pivot, to go elsewhere, to trade somebody else in, to improve your team and let's be honest, sometimes ruin your team. So uh, these trades throughout the buys are, are supremely important. And there's a reason why um, most podcasts will tell you that uh, it's all about getting your buys right. And that's where the good coaches come out on top um, after round 14. Yeah, look, absolutely. Maybe that's somewhere we should start on this episode today. It's sometimes especially if you listen to the coaches panel, you're probably more on the fanatical side and play across multiple formats of the game. But sometimes what can happen um, in either of those two spaces is you overcomplicate how you approach these next five weeks. And again, I'm driving home the next five weeks because it's what you do the week before the buy. So you don't panic how you navigate the intensive of three weeks and then what you want ultimately your sides look like after the buy round of round 15. And so maybe it feels a little elementary, Louis, but maybe let's take some time on, on buy round strategy, buy round planning. At this point in time, it's almost too late to do too much. But if so, coaches are looking at their side now, or they have been and it's kind of mapping out the next few weeks, what's some really sage advice you could give coaches to help them through? Look, it's super simple, MJ, and I wish I could give you something a little bit more complicated, a bit more creative, but at the end of the day, throughout your buys, at a minimum, you want 18 players on your ground. I don't care if they're premium, if they're rookies, mid-prices, it doesn't matter because as we know, 18 scores count. If you have more than that, perfect, then your poor ones drop off. But the most important part about the buys and where your real point of difference is, because trust me, it's quite common for coaches to cop donuts through the buyers, especially if some things go wrong. Your point of difference is simply getting through the buyers unscathed with a full team each and every week. It's maximizing points, isn't exactly. it? Is really what you're talking about. And MJ, the hard work's been done. Well, you know, it's around yeah. 11 now. So you should have built a solid team, a team that's capable of scoring throughout the buys. Yeah. At this point, it's just about managing them the next four weeks. And I say four weeks because it starts this week. 
It doesn't start next week when all of a sudden we've got three trades. What do I do? No, this week you need to be sorting out your round 12 buy, which is what you're going to be having next week anyway. Correct. And then with your trades that following week, you're working out round 13. The following week after that, you're working out round 14. And the following week after that, all of a sudden, you've got a little bit of luxury to play around with your side too. So you're always trading ahead is some advice I've got, MJ. Yeah, that's nice. I think I'd almost add as an appendix to that, not in contrary to that, but in addition to that, count premiums within that, not just 18. Because what you can have is you can go, I've got 19 on field. And I go, awesome. How many of them are actually guys that are going to deliver scores that you can bank going over 50? How many of these are actually premium guys? Because again, maximize scoring on field, getting as many viable options to maximize your scoring. So, so these cows help us. But to be honest, if you're looking at a Corey Durden and going, he is my white hope between 17 or 18 on the field, he is equally as likely to give you a 20 as he is to give you a 70. And, and so you just can't put a heap of points, trust or capital in these guys. So it's about your premiums within the 18. And then the other thing I'd kind of add to that, I know you've got some other advice to share. I'd say is kind of look at the buy rounds rather than a one, 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 look at it as one big totalitarian week. So there will be weeks where you're stronger. There will be weeks where you're weaker, even trading through the way your side's structured, either intentionally or accidentally. It's set up in such a way, but don't just look at your rankings after round 12 and go, oh, I'm in a disaster or look at me crushing the buys is, is focus on them as a one whole round rather than one single one, average out the scores, get an idea because that's where you'll get a real indication of where you are. Yeah, and that's where you start trading your plans in advance. So maybe, yeah, it's good. so look, round 14, let's say you're heavy in round 12 this week. Well, you need to figure out where, where and who you're going to be trading in the next three weeks and where your buy structure is going to sit after that. So look, you, you might have an 18-18 split, but there's no point trading out around 13 or 14 player next week to have 17 on field in round 12 just to totally. bolster your later rounds. So, and also um, just to add on to what you just said, MJ, there's no point trading a Durden um, as a total panic if he's your 18th player as well, because yeah. the fact is every coach is in the same boat fielding between let's say probably 17 and 21 is what most coaches would be fielding that week. So yep. um, it's, it's really important not to ruin your team. I know I said that at the start, but no, you've got a true. lot of trades in a short space of time. And if you don't plan things out properly, then all of a sudden you can find yourself trading yourself into a corner that you may be able to get out of, but you're probably going to waste a few trades doing so. Yeah. It's some good advice. Like something I love doing during the multi-buy rounds is in and it, you should be doing it most weeks for coaches with your vice captaincy and captaincy loophole but it's getting uber aggressive with your vice captain decision early in the round and looking for guys that have got either against the opponent at venue on current form and role looking for the guys that can pop a 150 plus score that can captain for you for those that for example captained Oliver over Petrarca last week, for example, Oliver, that 30, 40 points difference across the format. So again, Petrarca is a perfectly fine captaincy score from last week. But for me, it, I'm always looking for ceiling, but even more so I'm hunting that through the multi-buy rounds. Because if you could make up 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 points through your captaincy choices, 
well, that might mitigate either 17 on field or a poor cow that gets captured in. So it's looking to maximize points on field in every single angle. Yeah, you're always chasing ceiling with your VC because you do get two um, shots at it. Mm. Uh, I'd love to bounce this off you though, MJ. And we've seen a lot of coaches get burnt by it. I put out a tweet during the week um, about me taking the VC from Christian Petrarca. Now, Neil was going to be my fallback. He obviously scored the 97. And we've seen examples of that throughout this whole season. So if you miss a VC where you went for ceiling, maybe they only scored a 100. With your C, are you still chasing that ceiling, MJ? Or are you going a little bit safer and going, you know, let's say a Jack McRae this week versus the Suns or or something where, you know, it might not be the crazy 150 that you want from a VC, but if you're getting a 110 or 115, is that enough? Yeah, that's a really good shout. Look, standardized rules, most people would say, oh, if, if it's a 120 or under, sorry, if it's under 120 in Dream Team and Fantasy, go again. If it's 125 under that in Supercoach. Yeah. Um, And and again, that's the thing. Everybody's got different rules. I think for me, the most important thing to, because stock standard benchmarks are always dangerous. Um, For me, it's always, what's your objective as a coach? What are the matchups? And what are you trying to do? Because if you're league focused, it's about the head to head. You're now not playing the percentage game. You're just playing one opponent. Um, if you're going for overall rankings, well, now you're using the the stats plus or the bonuses or whatever the format you play chooses to call their assistant coach feature, where you're looking through what are the VCC percentages of captains? You're looking through those top hundred teams and going, okay, where are they moving? What are they doing? Because for, to that point, Petrarca was perfectly fine to VC and take last week either because people had been burnt before or, or they're like, man, I'm taking risk for what a potential gain of 10 points, not worth it. For me, it always comes back to rather than a set benchmark, it comes down to match up who have you got and what's the likely outcome. And then the second thing is what's your objective? Cause the moment you start going, if it's this or that, will you miss the nuanced details that are unique to every week? But it sounds like for you, do you have a benchmark cutoff or, or are there other elements for you with that? Oh, no, you're right. If there is a just an absolute delicious matchup on the Sunday, Sunday, then I'll usually go for it. But, you know, that being said, you could say that Neil versus the Hawks was a delicious matchup. In history, so... it looked matchup. And, and that's not, let's be honest, a, a 97, I think it was in Supercoach, in Dream Team and Fantasy, 100 in Supercoach. Yeah, I know it looks bad compared to a Clary where you're 50 to 70 points off. But if that's the worst thing that happened to your team in the weekend, you're 20 points down in yeah. reality. It's nothing. I, I don't do it. Um, all right. Well, if a, if a coach has found themselves looking at their buy rounds, they've, they've kind of structured it out with their premiums. Cause again, we know our teams are going to trade over these next couple of weeks. Um, I, I'm curious on your take as coaches are at round 12, What's the trade priority? And maybe it's something we'll go into a, dip, a bit more depth next week with teams and knowledge and stuff like that. What should be the focus next week? Is it clearing red dots? Is it making sure your strategy is light and right? What should be the focus? Because this week it's a bit more normative, but next week, what are we looking at? Well, there's a lot of different avenues you can take depending on your team, MJ. With that three trades, you can Essentially, you can go two down, one up to an Uber premium most weeks if that's the direction you choose to go. But 
Um, at this stage in the season, a lot of us do have those red dots. So you might have a, a Sam Skinner or a Reef McInnes who we had earlier on in the season. This is the time to trade them. So I know previous to this, we say, no, nah, keep them, keep them, keep them. They could become sure. a green dot. Well, up until this point, they've had about 70, 80K on their head. You haven't been able to cash in because you don't have that security of another rookie coming through. And let's be honest, 80K isn't really enough to do something substantial in a normal week. So this is the week where you can get a little bit creative and you can go, all right, I've still got a Josh Rochelle. I'm going to take him down. Um, I can get up to this guy if I also on the back of that trade down a a Reef McInnes and I cash in that 90K Mm -hmm. and maybe I... I get up to a discounted Lockie Whitfield, for example. So you can get creative with how you get up to your premiums coming off the buy and you can get creative with how you get rid of your red dots. Next week, going into round 12, uh, it's a little bit awkward because obviously you're not trading in your round 12 rookies. No. Um, round 13, you've got... Sorry, you're not trading in your round 13, 12 players. Round 13, you, you can trade them in, but you're only getting one goal at it. So... Yeah. Round 12, I like to trade in a round 14 player. I get two cracks at it. And then mm-hmm. going into round 13, I start picking off the guys who are coming off their buy. And that's pretty much the trend that you follow through the buyers because you know that you're not going to miss one more. It's just, it's a little bit awkward in that first week of the buyers, isn't it, MJ? Which is yeah. where well, some it, coaches might choose to actually fix up those red dot rookies because then, yeah. of course, the next two weeks, they've actually got, you know, 18, 19, 20 players playing. Totally. Look, and, and it's different for the format. You play an AFL fantasy where you've got three trades that week to use or lose. You can do a little bit more of that rookie gardening, so to speak, where it's twenty, thirty, fifty thousand dollars. You can take it or leave it. You know you're trading into a, a blue dot or even a potential red dot in the next week or so beyond that. You're just trying to farm whatever little bit of cash out you can get for the next six trades of the two weeks. It it might be different in Dream Team and Super Coach is because you've got limited trade numbers, you might have burnt through a fair few of your boosts right now, which I think has been the right approach in terms of how you play the game. You do get opened up to three trades a week available outside of your boost after next week in Dream Team and Super Coach. Uh, I, there could very well be merit next week, depending on the uniqueness of people's sides in those formats and the cows we have on the bubble to just go, he's just not going to make a move. You just might not trade because where Dream Team and Supercoach might differ from AFL Fantasy is trading out a McInnes for $50,000. In AFL Fantasy, we have got a use or lose trade. Yeah, no problem at all. Whereas in those more limited trade formats and you start getting into the teens, let alone no one should be heading towards single digit trades yet, but heading into the teens of your trades, well, now you're starting to count, right? How many trades have I got to get to a finish side? How many trades have I got in the kitty for emergency injuries or long-term suspensions that come? So you might not have the flexibility and freedom that, you know, as Louis talking about for AFL fantasy coaches to just go, oh, it's 50K, 80K, knock yourself out. Because in those formats, I'd be looking for 150K to, to kind of make on these guys. And, and a few years ago, you, you might remember Louis, Josh Dunkley played two games right at the start of the year in, uh, I think it's back in 2016. And then didn't play for 12 weeks. And then all of a sudden pops back and on, on the Bulldogs run home to the premiership, plays the last six, seven weeks and people had traded him out for nothing and then traded him in again. And so that's the dilemma with these red dots in the more limited trades is you can kind of waste a trade for not much cash. But AFL fancy coaches, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that, um, which is all good. I'm curious, man, before we talk 
DPPs them and we want to answer some Patreon questions. Is there, is there anything else about the buys that you really want to drive home for coaches that they kind of connect and collect with? Um, look, I'll throw this out there, MJ, because it's something that affected me um, last week and um, something that got away from me a little bit because I, throughout this season, and personally, I've had to trade out a, a Hewitt, a Cripps and a Whitfield. So wow. just make sure that your buy structure is in order and yeah. get brutal with your rookies. So I thought I was going okay last week. And then I thought, well, hang on, let's, let's actually be realistic here. What if I don't get a Luke Cleary? What if mm. I don't get a Hugh Dixon? You know, what, what if there's one that's just a total curveball I don't see coming? I, I yep. want to prepare for that. So um, just don't be afraid to be brutal. They may play, but just maybe just pretend that they're a red dot and see where your team sort of lies. And that's maybe where you, you do come to counting your premiums a little mm. bit, even though I don't think it's as important. Um, yeah, so just make sure that, and it's really just circling back to what I started this podcast with MJ. Make sure you've got 18 on field. Adam Maximize Amber. your points. That's it. Yeah, 100%, man. Like we're, uh, we're a, a couple of hours out from teams dropping. Chances are, as people are listening to this episode, teams are already out. And there might be some more dilemmas that have landed. And, you know, our apologies to coaches for not being able to answer them. Although I'll jump in uh, my uh, Fantasy Footy Friday Q&As in the car about 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow and be able to answer those for you on a Friday. But um, the new DPPs hit the game um, Sunday night. Um, like I said at the top of the podcast, we've got an article at coachespanel.tv that kind of establishes and looks at some of the really big ones. I think there's some really helpful ones I think are coming our way, aren't they, Louis? Based on the number crunching, I think Bont's pretty much got it already. Uh, if he plays, even if he doesn't play, he's got it. I think if he attends one centre-bounce as a forward, he's a mid-forward. Bailey Smith's maybe like one or two centre-bounce. So I think we can lock them in as probably the two big gains. Would you be trading into them this week? Now it's different across formats with break-evens, prices, buy structures, et cetera. But you're confident enough that both these guys are going to pick up DPP for coaches to move into them universally? Yeah, I'm confident both will pick up forward status and I'd be happy to launch into a Marcus Bontempelli. I think he's, he's actually underpriced on what he's doing as a forward pretty much. And I think as the dogs come home, they're going to be firing. Uh, his average should remain about that 105 to 110. Bailey Smith, I think he'll get it too. He's obviously going to be a top six forward. He's probably going to be a top three forward. Probably number one at this rate. Yeah, it's just a bit of an awkward price this time of year. I know we've got three trades a week, but um, you really do need to sort of spread the load through the buyers. And yeah. you still do have to identify value targets. And then as you come outside of the buy, you can start doing some luxury trades where you might take a... I don't know, let's just say a, a Zach Butters up to a Bailey Smith in your forward line. Totally. It might only cost you 150K, but but right now he's a bit difficult. That being said, I think those two additions are almost certainly um, a lock to be top six forwards. So oh, yeah, they're, they're so. massively massively relevant. Darcy Cameron's another one who'll probably yeah. pick up DPP with the Rucks. Ruck status. That's yeah. going to be pretty handy for all coaches throughout the buys. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, that ruck position has always been tricky. This year, it seems to be a little bit easier, but um, that's always nice to have as well. No, it, it could be really helpful again, depending on the format you play, 
you've got the utility position in AFL fantasy that kind of opens up the whole ground in super coach and drinking. You might not have the ease of ability to bring him in there. Who knows? You might have a Hugh Dixon at R3 or something like that. And Th- MJ, that's the sorry. key opening up the chances. Just quickly. Sometimes the most relevant DPP additions are your rookies. Just yeah, to have that flexibility too. Yeah, so or Robbie McCone will pick up forward status. Exactly. And that's going to be massive for coaches. So just keep an eye out for that too. I'm, couldn't tell you what the list is like, but oh, look at Jaden Short getting midfield status. You're like, oh, add midfield. Who cares? Well, that could be really important if you've got, can flip a Dacos and a Whitfield and a Short and a Hewitt and a Crisp. Um, all conning, you know, you've got links everywhere with that utility position. Oh, for those it's... still rolling McCartan, DPP is so crucial to maximizing to your point at the start. Get as many players on the field as you can to maximize your scoring opportunity. And yep, it might look a bit weird running Cameron at R2 next week <laughs> alongside Max Gorn while a Hayes or a Pruce or something like that are off the ground for you. It might look weird running a Deconing in your forward line and Whitfield in two weeks time through the midfield or something like that. It, it looks a bit odd. Just balance your side, map it out. I think for me, that's the key over these next five weeks. I know for some, they're like, be a week ahead, be a week ahead. Mine is, would say this, be five weeks ahead. Now, you, you definitely won't know all the elements, but you'll know enough. What does your side look like today entering round 11? And who are you moving on and out in an ideal world? And then at the end of round 14, what does your team look like? How have you got to get there? And then now it's about filling in the blanks about who you, how you do that. If and are you moving butters out, you know, to that point you made. When are you moving Dacos out if you haven't moved him out already? How are you using Nick Martin's money to move on? Is it this week or next? Map out the five weeks. Know your plans so that as you get to the end of round 14, you've got it all there. You won't know every detail. There'll be guys that pop out of nowhere. There'll be premiums that get a rest. We're seeing that with Taranto this week, aren't we, Louis? Probably could play this week, but the club have gone, eh. Whitfield, hey. yep. Whitfield, same thing. Take an extra week. Let's get your cherry ripe for the run home. It happened last year with Zorko, missing the week just before his buy. It'll happen again this year. Um, and, and and that's okay, but we've just got to do the best we can with what we have. It, All right, man, it, let's yeah, go. It takes me back to what I said um, on the pod pod last mm. year, MJ, through the buys, and it's it's the seven Ps. Do you know the seven Ps? Um, it's, pasta... It's... <laughs> preparation pasta proper planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance so map out your next three four five weeks as we said and if you do it correctly if you if you're constantly keeping track of your team throughout the whole way you should be fine yeah very nice all right we're gonna short and sharp wrap up this episode soon we're gonna rapid fire through some of our patreon questions for you louis of course if you've loved what you've got from the coaches panel so far in 2022 for just a couple of bucks a month you can support us by going to coachespanel.tv, becoming a Patreon. There are a bunch of exclusive rewards that come your way just for supporting us and also just that benefit of knowing you're making a difference in uh, the fantasy footy community. All right, man, we're going to roll through these. Peter Moore has a question. He said, I've heard a lot this week that we should see another week on Tom Mitchell to see if the scoring is well and truly back. But his price screams value to me. What are your thoughts? We've got... 
10 week or nine weeks of data to suggest that maybe he's not the same player he was in previous years. We've got one week of data to suggest that he can score, but not necessarily that he's got the role. So he is value, but he's also going to be value next week. And he's probably going to be value the week after too. And unless uh, he does pop a big score. So I, I agree with people in the camp of wait a week and see, because uh, there's a lot of coaches out there who have had started Tom Mitchell for nine mm. weeks and they're pretty disappointed. So yeah, just, that's right. just hold your fire. And um, I don't think he's going to hurt you this week, even though it's a nice matchup. I don't think yep. he's going to hurt you with his ownership this week, waiting a week. Yeah, I, I think that's some really good advice just for those curious. He does play Gold Coast for what it's worth. Craig wants to know, he's asked me a question. For keeper leagues, thoughts on Corey Durden as a stash midfielder as a junior, loving his work up the ground. Pressure acts, Craig. My answer to anybody with keeper leagues is always, the caveat is how many in your, are on your squad that you keep rolling into the year and how many coaches are there? Um, and what are the draft restrictions and rules in and around that? Those are always the answers. For example, if you're only keeping eight to 12 and there's 10 of you as playing, you're absolutely not keeping Corey Durden. You're going to absolutely be able to go and redraft him if you're really bullish on him. Conversely, if it's a 10, 12, 16 coaches and you're keeping 25, 30, 35, then you're more likely to keep him. So for me, anything under keep 20 i'm not keeping Corey Durden. i'm throwing him back in the pool and gonna redraft him if it's a bit more over that craig then i'd consider it also uh, on that mj i think yeah. if he's um if he's holding him to be a midfielder in the future i think Ooh. you cut him he's yeah. 170 centimeters and carlton has midfield stocks out the wazoo for the next yeah. 10 years so it's not it's not coming. Not He's happening. the small forward. He, he might be an elite small forward, but geez, what is Eddie Betts' best season? <laughs> you know, and yeah. he's no Eddie Betts. So I, I think you cut him if you're waiting for the midfield role. He's just going to be your standard small forward. I think so. If he moves to a different club, sure, maybe different story. But yeah, I know I'm with you on that. Ian wants to know who are the best rookies this week to bring in? Anyone you like the look of, Louis? Uh, yeah, so Saligo is the obvious one. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got a bit of job security, got the coaches' votes. Uh, yep, rebuilding side, I, th- I think he's a massive tick with the minus 11 break even. In AF, yeah. Look, you could take a look at Luke Cleary if he's if named. He's named. Uh, yep. especially, if he's, especially if he's named alongside a Jurey and a uh, Crozier and he's yes. not the sub, then all of a sudden you start to go, hang on, this guy's got a little bit of job security. Outside of that, MJ, am I, am I missing any there? Oh, look, Roberts has been named to debut for the Swans, but I think he's only a runner while JPK's out. Butler's there from the Hawks. He's on the bubble in Dream Team and Supercoach. I know he's round 14, but uh, I don't really like it. Stevens as well. We should have an opportunity. He's probably outside of Saligo, the best mid um, and to have a look at. You've got a Jacob Weir. He's got the two break even. You're not yeah. going to jump on this week, but next Maybe week, week, if his name, the sorry, the round 13, um, yeah. then absolutely you jump on Jacob Weir. He'll probably be about 250K if he continues to be named. You've also got a Joel Jeffrey with a minus 11 break even, but he can five have. goals and yeah. small forward. And you just get flashbacks to a Matty Roses just a couple of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, you so. know that's what you're trading into, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think Saligo is the supreme pick this week and if clear is named you know you could maybe put them side by side depending on on the needs of trades and, and positions you've got in your side and you, and you might get a hollands you might yeah, get we, a hollands that's true the that's very, very true by then yeah um ian's also asked another question about uh, after seeing gw's game who's 
are benefiting from the team the most? I, I think my quick answer to you, Ian, is they played West Coast, number one. They looked better, but they still didn't look great. And then the second thing was no Taranto, no Whitfield, no Ash, and no Pruce. And no and coach. So, and a new coach. So for me, I'm still wanting not just this week of data, I'd almost want to see round 13 with these guys all back in to then have confidence. I'd, so I'd almost wait the extra buy round week to jump on Kelly, to jump back to Whitfield, to jump on Canelio, to, to jump into any giant that I didn't already own. I wouldn't trade out of any of them that I had right now. Probably Whitfield might be the exception for some that are kind of uh, held last week. If you need to move, I understand why, especially if it helps your buy structure. But for me, Ian, that game taught me nothing other than the fact of, Cornelio plays well when he's a midfielder, which we knew um, kind of ed- heading into that game. Brendan wants to know in AFL fantasy question, is going for a mid-pricer with the round 14 buy through the buy period with a worth a punt? Uh, who are you kind of looking at? He's suggesting to go eat. No, that's not the answer. But is there somebody that's got a, you know, is a nice runner for three weeks um, that you can think of with a round 14 buy for you, uh, Louis? I've got a name. Gee, off the top of my head, it's um, I'm stretching MJ, but I know there's a couple of very cheap options from North, like a Taran. He's not in form, but no. I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, your player. For me, it's Kitty Coleman at 506,000. Wow. Um, defender forward. He's coming off the back of that 98 against the Hawks, the 79 the week before against the Crows, and 83 a handful of weeks ago. So for me, he's the kind of guy, again, depending on what you need with your cash, drop a Nick Martin down to a Coleman. You're going to make that extra 100K back again. Now, some might go, I need the money this week to go down to Soligo or Cleary to get the premium I want. Fine. But if you only need 150K, well, you're getting four weeks. You're getting versatility on side. For me, Coleman feels like a really nice runner. I like the versatility and I like that his time on grounds jumped up. Uh, he was very low when he first started, when he came back from injury. Um, I do I do have slight concerns that he's an outside player and his scoring yeah. is going to be volatile, but Absolutely. it's a three-week play through the buys. And if that's what corrects your structure, then sometimes that's the play you've got to make. I've certainly done it in the past and it's, it's had varying results. I've had good results and I've had mm. bad results depending on if you nail the mid-pricer. And as we know, that's... Yeah, it's totally up That's to chance. Tough. We all we all have starting teams and we have mid-prices that pop, mid-prices that fail. We know how to get off of that ship and how to abort missions. So you know the risks. If it suits your buy structure, if it suits your scoring, if it suits your team, do it. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good shout. Dale wants to know what's Luke Cleary's job security. Chances are, Dale, you'll know yeah. by the end of tonight. I think you'll know by tonight. <laughs> yeah, by the time yeah. you're listening to this, you already know ahead of us, Dale. Uh, Paul wants to know, hey, Legends, what do you think that Max Gron will be a top two scoring ruck option from now until the end of the minor rounds? If He'll not, be top who one. are the options? He'll be top two. Top one. Top, yeah. I, I've got no doubt. If I you don't own best. him, you can keep rolling and buy him at a bargain price. He's not we know him. we know why he's not scoring. He, he copped that. Um, he had a bit of a knee niggle a couple of weeks ago yeah. and his, his splits changed a little bit and he's yep. he's warming back in. D's when it's business time, will be firing and he'll be up and about. Yeah, no, fair enough too. Peter wants to know, could Haitley be the next Cameron in AFL Fantasy? Peter, no, he's not because you're only getting two weeks out of him. Um, if you're looking for a money runner, I, I'm wanting three weeks out of him. So 
no, um, he's not going to be there. Uh, Sam wants to know, should we be worried about Merritt's low CBAs the last couple of weeks as a post-buy target? Yeah, you yeah, should, can... because in the preseason, <laughs> they also uh, they also floated that his role would be a little bit different. He might spend a bit more time off half-back. But yeah. the, main, the main concern that I've got with Zach, Zach Merritt is firstly Essendon are probably as poor as they've been since he's mm. been at the club. That's true. Uh, maybe disregard maybe the drug um, drug side a year, but still the point remains. And uh, the tackling's certainly not there from a lot of their players. And you could say it's going to bounce back, but I just think that Zach Merritt is a is a player that is a hundred and fifteen averaging player in a decent side, yeah. but in a poor side, I, I think ten points gets taken off his top average. And also, we don't have. Well, in previous years, he hasn't had the the Darcy parishes to to compete with as well. And obviously, we know that Bombers have really sort of boosted up that midfield rotation. They've probably got seven or eight midfielders that can run through there at times. So, look, he's probably going to be a good post-buy target. He's going to be a 100-plus guy. Super cheap. Yeah. I just think massively taper your expectations on Zach Merritt. Maybe that's a bit of a hot take, but that's just how no, I'm I, I think I think that's fair. Like, if the CBEs pop again this week... Awesome. The good thing about Zach is he can score anywhere. Um, just that ability to get outside and get into space. So, yeah, I think the temper expectations is a really nice shout. But you're not paying for him in two weeks' time to be the 115, the 110 guy. You're paying no, for him at 100. It. And if that's your M8 from now to the end of the year, that's not bad for a guy that, like you've said, has got this really nice history of 110s. Um, through multiple years. I think it's a really good shout. Hey, Louis, I know it's a short, sharp episode from us this week. It's not something you often get from the coaches panel, but it's all we've got time for for you this week, mate. As always, an absolute pleasure and a beast work from you today. Thanks for having me, mate. Great episode. I hope the listeners enjoyed and uh, good luck this week and throughout the buy rounds. Yeah, absolutely. If we can help out in any way, well, the best way to do that is jump on, become a Patreon. You get easy, quick, sharp access to the panel. There's articles for you to check out at coachespanel.tv. And we'll be back next week with a real in-depth analysis on the players, the positions, and the way you can navigate the next month of fantasy football for ultimate success. Give it up, give it up.